The Buffalo Bills opened the preseason with a 23-19 win over the Indianapolis Colts. I'm breaking down my key takeaways from the win today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, folks, I guess we can call this a victory Sunday. The Bills start the preseason with a win over the Indianapolis Colts. But as we know with preseason, it's always good to win. You never are mad about that, but it's more about how the players performed and what we can learn about how the depth chart is shaking out. And that's what I want to focus in on today. I want to look at this football game through the lens of who helped themselves, who didn't help themselves, and what did we learn about the current status of this Buffalo Bills depth chart. So let's do it. Let's have that conversation here as we reflect on this win. And I want to start with the quarterback position. And obviously Josh Allen was one of just a few starters that didn't play. I think it was Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Daquan Jones, and Taron Johnson. Those were your starters that didn't play. And that created the opportunity for Kyle Allen to play the first half and then into the second half, and then Matt Barkley took over. And I told you one of the big things that I was going to be paying attention to during preseason was these backup quarterbacks because I came out of my week in Buffalo watching this football team quite concerned about Kyle Allen. And I said on the podcast a few times, I'm not sure Matt Barkley's not better. And I think it's pretty clear that it's trending in that direction that Matt Barkley just feels like the more comfortable, better option for QB2. And so let's get into it a little bit here. Kyle Allen, 8 of 15 for 122 yards, had an interception, sacked two times, passer rating of 52.6. Kyle Allen made a few plays. I'm not going to say it was all bad, and I, I certainly think it's worth acknowledging a couple of drops on third downs that really hurt him. One by Khalil Shakir, that would have been a third down conversion. And one by Quentin Morris over the middle of the field, that would have been potentially the opportunity for the Bills to either kick a long field goal or go for it on a fourth down. Instead, they punted. And those two drops were quite disappointing and took away from more opportunities for Kyle Allen to showcase himself. But overall, he just didn't look comfortable. And there were some errant throws, and it was a lot of what we saw and what we've been seeing at training camp. 
On the flip side, Matt Barkley goes out there and lights it up. 14 of 15, 172 yards, two touchdown passes, no interceptions. Passer rating of 154. I mean, this guy was comfortable. He got in rhythm. He made throws down the field. And nobody's ever going to watch Matt Barkley play football and say, you know what, man, this guy's got some really intriguing physical gifts, right? He's limited in terms of arm talent and movement skills. But what he does offer is good football intelligence and confidence. And he goes out there and he executes. And he's going to have limitations, and it's not always going to be good. But the sample size is growing, and the sample size is telling us quite clearly that Matt Barkley's the better option to be QB2. And if the Bills had to go any length of time without Josh Allen, that Matt Barkley gives you the better chance. Now, we'll see how this plays out. In the coming weeks, right, they have two more preseason games. I expect you'll see Matt Barkley get more opportunities with the second team and maybe even the first team, and he deserves that. And I think maybe that's even more impressive about what Matt Barkley did is he was able to produce what he did with the Bills' third stringers. It's just quite clear that he just has better comfort and command and confidence when he's out there, and Kyle Allen has a lot to prove. And look, again, another caveat that I'll give for Kyle Allen was not only is it's important to be mindful of some of the context that went into some of the struggles that he had, but that is this is his first year in Buffalo. It's not Matt Barkley's first year in Buffalo. It's his first year with Ken Dorsey as the OC. That's not the same for Matt Barkley. This, this, all of that's to be expected. But we're running out of time here for Kyle Allen to get himself caught up to speed and prove that he's the better option behind Josh Allen than Matt Barkley. Uh, one other note here on the interception, I know that, that it was potentially you could call it a drop. It was also a really bad throw by Kyle Allen. That play was set up wonderfully. The catch and run opportunity was there, and he threw it way behind the receiver. It was not a good throw. So, yes, it did bounce off the receiver's hands. It was also a, a, a terrible throw by Kyle Allen. All right, let's move on to the running backs. And the game started off with the Bills – first team offense and you saw some James Cook right four carries 20 yards had a touchdown and I thought James Cook looked good um gave him the football exclusively with the first team he was quick decisive explosive had a touchdown run James Cook looked the part right only four carries but he looked the part and then I thought all the other Bills running backs looked good I know Damian Harris didn't play in this game but Latavius Murray came in Five carries for 18 yards. You could feel him. He's a powerful runner, big-bodied. He runs strong. He also had some catches, if I'm not mistaken, three catches as well for 21 yards for Latavius Murray. He's a dependable guy and a player that I'm glad is part of this mix for the Buffalo Bills, and I think you got to see a little bite-sized uh, sample of what he can bring to this football team. Also fun to kind of learn this week. I was listening to Brandon Bean, I think, in an interview and he was talking about uh, – it was with Peter Schrager, actually. And he was talking about uh, Latavius Murray being a Syracuse native and grew up a Bills fan. And so how cool is that for this guy to have the amount of time that he does in the NFL for it to come full circle and he gets to play for the team that he rooted for growing up, which is in some ways a lot like Daquan Jones last year, uh, you know, native of, of New York and grew up a Bills fan, and now he gets to play for the team. And so a couple players that that um, is true for now with this football team. but. Yeah, I mean, James Cook looked good. Latavius Murray looked good. I think Jordan Mims, with his opportunities, he ran physical and tough. Uh, 
Darrington Evans, he had a few good carries late in the game to kind of help close things out. Also had a good kick return. And so I thought the Bills running backs collectively did a nice job despite not having Damian Harris at their disposal. So I, I thought when you when you talk about running backs and quarterbacks, all the running backs help themselves, but probably the most meaningful ones are the depth players, right, that are kind of really battling for this. And then, of course, Matt Barkley helping himself and Kyle Allen not helping himself. And Sean McDermott saying after the game that, yes, this is a open competition for the Bills' backup quarterback job. And Kyle Allen has a lot to prove in the next two weeks to convince us that he's the better option than Matt Barkley. All right, we got a ton more to get to, including the wide receivers and offensive line right after a very quick break. But I need to give you some comments here from LinkedIn. LinkedIn is today's sponsor. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And folks, it's so easy to create a free job post over at LinkedIn Jobs. And once you do that, you add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's talk about the rest of the offense here, wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive line. We'll get to wide receiver first. And I thought you saw the depth of the Bills wide receivers really perform well. We didn't really see Gabe Davis do anything. Uh, quiet day for Deontay Hardy. But you start moving down this depth chart, and you saw some guys make some plays. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson, three catches, three targets, 42 yards, made some some tough catches. Uh, Andy Isabella, how about that guy? Three catches for 42 yards, had the big catch and run, also had chances as a punt returner and a kick returner. There's some um, explosiveness there with Andy Isabella when he gets the football, and I thought that was quite obvious when he caught that pass over the middle and then was able to catch and run and turn up field and create a chunk play, 30-yard play. A Marcel Aitman, two catches, 41 yards. Both were nice grabs. Uh, really kind of, if you watched Marcel Aitman at Oklahoma State, you, you kind of knew the types of plays that he could make, and you saw that. Uh, even Des Patton, three catches, three targets, 35 yards, had a touchdown against his former team, the Colts. I thought he looked good, right? I mean, these guys, these depth receivers with Matt Barkley came in and made some plays. And um, that's encouraging. Now, what's interesting is you kind of talk through these players, Keyshawn Johnson, Andy Isabella, Marcel Aitman, Desmond Patton, and and you didn't really see anything from Justin Shorter. Kind of discouraging, right? You figure that maybe he gets some chances there to make some plays, and he really didn't. Very quiet day for Justin Shorter. And we've kind of assumed that because he's a, a big height, weight, speed guy, um, a fifth-round draft pick, that he's kind of your favorite to be the wide receiver six. But that might be challenging if there's other guys that are better positioned to come in and actually help your team on offense and special teams. And, I mean, you think about Andy Isabella. You think about those guys I just mentioned. If if Johnson or Aitman or Patman are guys that can uh, bring more to the table, well, then they deserve that roster spot over Justin Shorter. 
And so it's it's going to be fascinating to see how that all plays out. Uh, I want to mention some of the other guys here. Khalil Shakir, he had a couple of nice catches, uh, but also the drop, right? I think that's that's the deal with Khalil Shakir. Even when you went back and watched him at Boise State, you watched him with the Bills last year, you watch him in training camp, there's so many good moments and there's so much to like. He's versatile, he's athletic, he can run good routes, he brings yards after catchability, there's special teams upside, he makes plays, but my goodness, he just has those frustrating moments on some of the more routine things that that drive you crazy. And that obviously showed up on that third down drop from Khalil Shakir in the game we just watched on Saturday afternoon against the Colts. Um, Deontay Hardy, pretty quiet day from him, but you can kind of see just some of the the moments earlier in the game where they wanted to get him involved with some motion, and that's kind of the expectation that I have for him. Uh, Tyrell Shavers was interesting, right? He winds up having two catches for 38 yards and a touchdown, but I think then he had three drops on the other five. You know, he had five targets, two catches. One was the touchdown. He drew the pass interference penalty down the field, but then three drops, at least two. Maybe you don't want to call three, but at least two drops. And so he was the guy that when I watched practice last week, this jumbled mix of all these, you know, depth receivers, I kind of thought he was the most consistent. And then, you know, he was pretty up and down in this football game on Saturday. I think that's all I had down for the wide receivers. Obviously, we covered a lot of ground there. Let's talk a little bit about the tight ends where Knox and Kincaid, I think they ran uh, with the first uh, with the offense in the first couple of series, but I, we didn't see them get any targets or really make uh, much of an impact. But then we did see the depth of the tight end room uh, on the field. And, and Jay Sternberger and Quentin Morris uh, both had a, a big blunder. Right, Jay Sternberger, big 17-yard catch to convert a third down, but then he fumbles the football. Quentin Morris had an opportunity over the middle of the field to catch the ball. Uh, one of the drops from that, you know, Kyle Allen was made a good throw, and Quentin Morris drops the football and takes away that opportunity for the long field goal or to go for it on the fourth down. And so those are your, to me, your two leading candidates to be tight end three. Both came away with a pretty significant mistake. But I think overall with the with the tight ends, I think one of my big takeaways, and not, not that this is a surprise, but you saw a lot of 12 personnel. You really did. And you saw some situations where they were giving some unbalanced looks with putting two tight ends on the line of scrimmage to one side. And um, it's just another obvious indicator that 12 personnel is absolutely going to be uh, a big part of what this offense is. And you know, 12 personnel is going to be when uh, Kincaid and Knox are primarily on the field, but you know if it's going to be a big staple of what you're going to do, that third guy is going to end up being really, really important. If you don't mind, let me backtrack. There's one wide receiver nugget that I wanted to get to that I forgot, and it just came back to me, and it's Trent Sherfield. And not that Trent Sherfield made any plays in this game. Uh, it was targeted one time, and I thought it was a predetermined read by Kyle Allen. Sherfield didn't have uh, the separation that they were hoping for on the play, and I thought Allen had the opportunity to come off the read. He didn't, and he kind of forced him the football. It was incomplete. But on the James Cook touchdown run, you saw the impact that he can have as a blocker. And not that it was this amazing uh, pancake block, but it speaks to how you can use him as an insert blocker. And he was able to seal at the second level and make sure that James Cook was able to score. And I thought that was a really good run designed by Ken Dorsey and utilization of, of Trent Sherfield and, and one of the big things that he can do for this football team and that's help as a blocker. And, you know, Gabe Davis was asked to do a lot of that last year. I think some of that or really most or all of that shifting to Trent Sherfield 
is going to be helpful for Gabe Davis, but also helpful for the offense uh, with Trent Shurfield being very, very good at serving as an insert blocker. Now let's talk a little offensive line here. Um, the starting offensive line was Dawkins at left tackle, uh, Connor McGovern at left guard, Mitch Morse, your center, right guard, Osiris Torrance got the start, and then Spencer Brown at right tackle. Just based on watching the game one time on a TV copy, I thought Osiris Torrance more than held his own, had some good physical moments. And part of what I'm going to do this coming week is I'm going to go back and watch this tape and bring a lot of my impressions to you. And of course, Osiris Torrance is going to be probably the lead conversation once I do that. And so I'm looking forward to really diving into it. Um, But just based on those early impressions of one look at these plays on watching it on TV, I thought Osiris Torrance more than held his own and had some good physical moments, excited to study the tape there. And um, looks like he really could have an opportunity here to claim this right guard job. And, you know, that would be that would be great because the Bills need a, a, some day two hits here. It looks like James Cook's going to be one of them. You, you certainly love what Dawson Knox has turned out to be. A.J. Epinesa is trending in the right direction. But, you know, there's been some blunders along the way. And if Osiris Torrance can, you know, be a hit, um, that'd be awesome. That'd be really good for Brandon Bean's track record and uh, giving this team some return on on day two picks. Another very intriguing offensive line note. Uh, that I came away with was the rotation at left tackle where the first guy in for Deion Dawkins wasn't David Questenbury, wasn't Tommy Doyle. It was Ryan Van DeMarc. And once he was in the game at left tackle, that's where my eyes were. And I thought as a left tackle, he played quite well and was challenged with some interesting pass rush moves in state square and was able to really protect the width of the pocket. Now, when he shifted over to the right side, I mean, he did not look as comfortable and struggled quite a bit. But on the left side, I thought he played quite well. And I thought it was interesting that he was the first guy in for Deion Dawkins. And look, I mean, I've talked about David Questenbury and and how much he struggled during camp. And I guess it probably was earned by Ryan Vandemark, just a little bit unexpected. And, you know, one of the things I'll probably do next week is talk to you a little bit more about Ryan Vandemark. He's a player that I scouted uh, coming out of college. So I have some, some comments there. We'll get to them next week. But a uh, little interesting nugget that he was that first guy in. And then you saw Questenbury, and then you wound up seeing Tommy Doyle, who unfortunately winds up hurting his knee. And Sean McDermott confirmed after the game that it was, in fact, the same knee that he hurt last year. We don't know the extent. He's going to get checked uh, later on today, and we'll we'll find out. But, you know, Tommy Doyle, I mean, you, you just hate for him to have another uh, significant injury, especially to the same knee that just, um, you know, he's – just only been cleared to to practice and play for a few months now. So hoping for the best there for Tommy Doyle. But this offensive tackle depth chart's really, really fascinating. And uh, based on today, I mean, Ryan Vandemark looks like he's that first guy in for Deion Dawkins. Uh, The other note that I have here is just sorting out the interior depth. Guys like Nick Broker and Ike Bucker, it doesn't look good for them. You know, you're seeing David Edwards, the first left guard. Ryan Bates, a key backup on the interior. Torrance in the starting lineup. I think it's going to be an uphill climb uh, for for Broker and Bucker to make this team. And I've I've often always thought that about Broker when they drafted him. I didn't I didn't see the path for him, but you know Bucker, you know he he got dusted on that sack that he gave up. That um, it, he struggled and and it just feels like he's kind of fallen behind in this competition, which is kind of sad because he was 
doing some good things as the Bills starter once he finally got his chance. And then he has a big time injury and he's kind of fallen off in. And that's just unfortunate how the NFL goes sometimes. But, you know, it feels like Broker and Bucker need help to make this roster. But I think with the offensive line, the big takeaways here is Osiris Torrance looking good, might be that right guard. And then Ryan Van DeMark is that second left tackle is a pretty fascinating storyline coming out of this football game. All right, folks, we got to talk about defense. Stick with me. I'll be right back. All right, folks, let's talk about this Buffalo Bills defense and uh, had a little different look and feel to it, didn't it? That wasn't Leslie Frazier's defense. Sean McDermott, that first drive, he played things kind of vanilla, and then that was it. He was kind of in his bag moving forward, and you saw you know, some tighter alignments from the secondary playing closer to the line of scrimmage, corners up in the face of receivers, bunch of bodies uh, kind of in the box, and really you know, just kind of giving you those very – congested fronts and sending some guys you saw odd fronts you saw a lot from this defense more than I thought he was going to show uh, but it's a nice indicator of of some of the transition that we speculated about and then really manifested itself throughout training camp and now you're seeing it in the preseason it's definitely a different look and feel to this defense and I thought you had some standouts on defense and you certainly had some concerns but collectively I thought this defensive line played well I thought there were several standouts, particularly on the interior. There was a few series in this game where I thought the Bills' defensive tackles just took over. Tim Settle with some big plays behind the line of scrimmage had a nice sack, and uh, he had the sack, or the first the first play was a sack, but then I thought the pass rush on the next play that he didn't get the sack that went to, I think Boogie got the sack, was an even better play. I thought Tim Settle looked really good. I thought Elianku looked terrific. I mean, this guy was standing up offensive lineman, playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage, making plays uh, in the backfield. I thought Elianku, as a guy that's kind of been around practice squad, occasionally gets called up. I mean, that guy looked great. Uh, Puna Ford, you felt him a little bit. Um, playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage, brings energy, right? Owning his space. I thought he looked good. You know, even further down on the depth chart, the, the DJ Dale, Kendall Vickers, Cortez Broughton group, right? Kind of your your fourth, fifth wave of defensive tackles. Those guys played quite well, and you know the box score reflects it. I thought those guys, those defensive tackles, really played well. Um, on the edge, how about Boogie Basham? Really good sack. Good, clean win. I think that was Blake Freeland uh, who was playing right tackle for them, one of their draft picks from this past year. He dusted them. I thought his presence was obvious. Shaq Lawson played the run really well. Uh, but what's really interesting about the edge rusher situation is you know, it just feels like this this Shane Ray, Kingsley, Jonathan, Cameron Klein group, they're 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 just very clearly behind the rest of these players. So it's it's obviously Greg Rousseau and Leonard Floyd and AJ Epinesa, and then it's Boogie Basham and Shaq Lawson, those five. And I think all those other players are gonna need help. Now, Shane Ray, to his credit, made a play on special teams, uh, made another tackle for loss on a key short yardage play. He had his moments, but at least in terms of how the rotation uh, played out on Saturday, those guys are very much on the outside looking in for this roster. But I thought the D-line collectively played really strong and, and for the most part really controlled the game, which we know is a, a staple of what Sean McDermott wants to be true about his defense. Now, that was fun. We talked about these defensive linemen guys making plays. As we shift over to the linebackers, yikes, right? Um, and when I say yikes, I just mean I've been concerned that the Bills don't have a starting play caliber player at middle linebacker, 
and I remain concerned that they don't have a starting caliber player at middle linebacker. I mean, Tyrell Dotson had a rough game, and I'll, I'll obviously go back and watch the tape and have some more nuanced opinions based on what he did, but whether it was some of the downhill moments, um, attacking wrong gaps, some coverage issues where he just doesn't get enough depth on some of his drops, didn't look good. And then we didn't get a chance to see Terrell Bernard, who uh, McDermott said after the game that's obviously a hamstring injury, and he said those take some time, uh, and they expect it to take some time for him. And so, like, he needs these reps. He needs these opportunities to communicate and get himself ready for the season, and he's not going to be out there. And so it's just it's shaping up to be a Tyrell Dotson situation. I'm not convinced he's an NFL starter. Just like I'm not convinced Terrell Bernard's an NFL starter. And so the Bills are just going to have to figure it out at linebacker, and McDermott's going to have to potentially scheme around this all season long. So then what's interesting about this linebacker situation, middle linebacker I'm talking about, is after Dotson played, the next guy in was A.J. Klein, and I was kind of expecting that to be Balen Spector. Balen Spector came in later in the game, and I have to go back and watch the tape. I know he had at least one good short yardage run fill. But I didn't think AJ Klein was ahead of Balen Specter on the depth chart, and I wondered as I, you know, as that happened, I started to think, well, why is this the case? And maybe it's just a matter of at that point in the game with the players that were on the field. You know, AJ Klein's communication and ability to make sure guys were lined up was was necessary, and maybe that's why Specter kind of got one practice with the first team and got pushed aside. Is like, look, maybe he just doesn't have the communication piece down, and I can understand that, but. I was a little bit surprising to see Klein in before Balen Specter. Now, as for the outside linebackers, you know, Matt Milano played a little bit, and then we saw Dorian Williams came in and certainly made some tackles, led the team with seven tackles, six solo. Uh, the the goal line uh, stop was really good uh, that he was able to make. I thought his other tackles were just kind of him being around the football and be, being a, a good pursuit-style player. And so I thought he flashed a little bit in some ways that, um, maybe you wish other linebackers did. Now, one thing that is absolutely critical to what I'm saying is while you felt kind of good about Dorian Williams and you certainly came away concerned about Tyrell Dotson, they weren't asked to do the same thing. It's very different being a, a weak side pursuit style linebacker as opposed to being the Mike linebacker. What you have to pay attention to, what's on your plate, what you have to read and react to is completely different. So it's not the same to say Dorian Williams played really good at outside linebacker and Tyrell Dotson played poorly at middle linebacker put Dorian Williams in there it's not apples to apples at all or even close to it so we can acknowledge two things being true here that Dorian Williams did a good job in a pursuit style role and that maybe he's not quite equipped to be in that conversation for middle linebacker now maybe there's an argument to be made that he deserves some opportunities but it sounds like the Bills did give him those opportunities during uh you know uh, OTAs and they've quickly moved away from that so we'll see how that all shakes out. But again, my big concern here is that the Bills do not have a starting caliber middle linebacker on their roster, and I don't feel any better any better about that after watching this game against the Colts. Let's uh, shift gears to the secondary. Uh, cornerback situation's interesting, both outside and inside. Dane Jackson gets the start. He gets an interception. I know that it was more of a bad throw by Anthony Richardson, uh, but he did have an interception. He played one series, and then that was it. And then you saw Kyer Elam and Christian Benford play the rest of that first half. Meanwhile, Christian Benford's running first-team punt opposite of Saran Neal as the gunner. The tea leaves here, every indicator is that Dane Jackson's going to start opposite of Tredavious White. 
And I know that's going to make some people mad, but it's not like Christian Benford and Kyrie Elam went out there and played well. It's not like they did something today that says, you know what? They deserve to be in there over Dane Jackson. Next two, two weeks is going to be fascinating, but it really does feel like Dane Jackson has the upper hand here and he's going to be potentially the starter. And I know that's going to put everyone in a world of panic about Kyrie Elam and him being a first round pick and all that. And maybe it's a, it's a year three thing for Kyrie Elam. Maybe it'll come. Who knows, right? Things happen fast in the NFL. But the indicators are all pointing to Dane Jackson being your starter opposite of Tredavious White. Now, in the slot, what was fascinating here is Cam Lewis, as we know, is injured. And Sean McDermott told the broadcast team that he wanted to hold out Taron Johnson because Cam Lewis was injured. And they didn't want to have, you know, further complications with potential slot injuries. And so Saran Neal got the uh, the first team reps in the slot. He was up and down, right? That That's what you expect for Saran Neal, a special teams player, having to play on defense, right? He's been a member of the Bills for a while, and not really much of that has been um, playing defense, right? He's, he's made his hay being a special teamer. But um, the Cam Lewis thing is just so fascinating to me because – in practice, he's mostly at safety, but then is he really the backup to Teron Johnson? It certainly seems that way. We know that he's the preferred gunner opposite of Saran Neal. So Cam Lewis, I think, is an important piece of this defense. And that messaging from Sean McDermott further makes me believe that. Uh, lastly, on safeties, Damar Hamlin. Dude's out there playing football games, make, making tackles. He's blitzing. Just incredible, right? The last time we saw him play in a football game, Cincinnati, I don't have to tell you the story. You know what happened. This guy's out there playing. It's it's an, just an absolutely remarkable story, um, and I'll never get tired of talking about it. And it was fun listening to DeMar after the game, talking about how the Bills' next game is in Pittsburgh, and you know that's home for him, right? And so I think he gets to really just continue this momentum that he's had uh, since coming through the injury, getting back on the field, doing it in Buffalo behind a city that's really rallied behind him. And then his next stop is Pittsburgh. I mean, that's just so cool and, and so much momentum for him. And obviously we're all rooting for DeMar and such a positive sign to see him playing, making tackles, blitzing, playing on special teams, doing the things that are going to be necessary for him to be a rostered safety for the Buffalo Bills. And then lastly, how about just seeing Micah Hyde out there again too? Like that was cool. That guy hadn't played since the the Titans game last year. So seeing 21 and 23 back out there at safety, uh, you know, that that was incredible as well. And then lastly, Jared Maiden, good for him. He went out there and made some good physical tackles that stood out to me when watching the football game. So, folks, I, that, I gave you like a ton of information there. I just wanted to kind of just dump all my thoughts. I just watched a football game like you and um, wanted to immediately kind of come back to you and say, hey, this is my key. These are my key takeaways from watching this football game. I'm going to spend some time in the film. I'm going to bring some film comments to you, focusing heavily on Osiris Torrance, focusing heavily on Tyrell Dotson, um, some other players as well. But I think those are going to be two of my main guys that I want to focus in on. The corners, obviously, will be part of that. Um, maybe some of the D linemen, but Ryan Van Demark as well. So we'll we'll have some time, some film reflection episodes next week. We'll have herd mentality next week. Bills have another preseason game next week. So a lot's going on. Uh, in the world of the NFL, the Buffalo Bills, and of course on the Lockdown Bills podcast. So don't miss anything. Make sure that you are subscribed 
We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again on Monday.